Welcome to the AEM Education and Training Podcast, a collaboration between Brown University Emergency Medicine and the editors of the Academic Emergency Medicine Education and Training Journal. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa with Dr. Rory Merritt, and here's what we've got for you today. Previously on this podcast, we've discussed the importance and the difficulty of evaluating non-cognitive skills in medical students and residents. For instance, we talked about using virtual reality games on interview day in order to assess a prospective resident's ability to work in teams, communicate effectively, and find innovative approaches to problems. Today we're talking about another non-cognitive skill that's important in physician training, and that is grit. Now, the term grit has been tossed around a lot lately, catapulted into attention by Angela Duckworth's book, Grit, and in every sphere of education, we're starting to pay more attention to the importance of grit and the growth mindset and other personality and character traits that can help learners succeed in the complicated landscape of emergency medicine. So today we're talking with Dr. Nathan Olson, MD, MAED, who's an assistant professor in the Department of Medicine and the section of emergency medicine at the University of Chicago. He and his team are the authors of an article in the January AEM Education and Training Journal entitled, Faculty Assessment of Emergency Medicine Resident Grit, a Multi-Center Study. And he's here to talk about the study with us today. We were also fortunate enough to speak with Dr. Anahita Kalantari, Associate Program Director of the Emergency Medicine Residency and Assistant Professor of Emergency Medicine at Penn State Health, Milton S. Hershey Medical Center. She was invited to write a commentary about this article, which is also available in the January Education and Training issue, and we're so happy to have her share her thoughts with us. First, let's hear from Dr. Olson. Dr. Olson, it's really great to have you here with us today to talk about your recent article about grit. And the term grit seems to be a pretty hot one right now. A lot of people may have a sense of what it means, but um, find it hard to actually put a definition into words. Can you define it for us in terms of, you know, how you were thinking about it for this study and give us a little background on that definition? Sure. I think that's a good question. Grit's a pretty popular term right now. I think one thing to think about in terms of grit is it's not really a new definition. It's not a new personality characteristic. Been around and talked about for a long time. Um, It's just become much more popular and focused recently. The definition in the literature, it's defined as passion and perseverance for long-term goals. Um, And that, I think if you break that down and think about it in a simpler term, is it helps in terms of what your direction and determination is for goal achievement. Um, So it helps persistence towards a goal uh, despite setbacks. Great. And it does make intuitive sense that grit would be a really positive trait for physicians to have, perhaps, you know, especially for emergency physicians. So what do we know about measuring grit? We're we're getting really into these non-cognitive skills and how do we measure them? How has grit been studied previously in ways that might be applicable to selecting good medical trainees? Yeah, good question. Again, when people talk about, they like to think about success. How do we actually have successful residents? Because that's what everybody wants at the end of the day. Successful residents lead to successful physicians down the road. And most of the focus, I think, has been on the big categories of cognitive skill or cognitive talents and then the actual 
psychomotor skills that we have. And then kind of off to the side, you're like, oh, there's this sort of nebulous, non-cognitive um, set of traits that everybody has. Grit falls under that category. And like you said, that there's this intuitive sense that, hey, this grit, this kind of effort and hard work, this is really important for physicians. So how do you actually go about looking into that and what does it mean? Um, I think more most people know about kind of the big personality characteristics um, and they think of personality traits as these very, very kind of rigid um, things that don't change their life. Um, and we're kind of understanding a little bit more about the fluidness of those personality characteristics and where traits like grit actually fit in. So let's talk about the score that you use in your study, and then we're going to get into your study um, in, a, in a minute. But let's talk about this GRIT S score. What is it? So the GRIT S score, the current version of it is an eight-question survey, and it loads on GRIT's uh, two factors, the passion and perseverance for long-term goals. Each question has a one through five score. You put five as the highest score you can get, one as the lowest score. Then you take those eight questions and you average the overall score. I was just, I don't think this was in the paper. Can you, can you tell us what the eight questions on the GRIT S score are? I'm just sort of curious of where I would rank myself. So Yeah, yeah. There's actually, um, it's free online if you go. I forget the actual website, but everybody can go take the actual GRIT score. Okay. So four of the questions are going to be weighted towards that passion. Um, okay. And then four of them are going to be weighted towards that perseverance for long-term goals. So an example um, would be a statement that says, I am a hard worker. Okay. And on the one through five scale, five is uh, that you completely agree with it. And one is that you totally don't agree with it. Uh, and then another one more along the lines of the sort of passion for a long-term goal is uh, the statement, I often set a goal, but later choose to pursue a different one. And <laughs> um, that gives you a sense of the differences and how they're trying to look at perseverance and passion. Huh. That's interesting. So like changing direction is that's that's not uh, that wouldn't get you like a high perseverance score. No, that would. And most people and almost all the studies I've looked at, the uh, people score much higher on the perseverance than uh -huh. they do on the questions that are weighted more towards the passion, huh. which I find kind of interesting. And I maybe it's that people just feel more comfortable thinking about themselves as hard workers than, and it's a little bit harder to think of yourself as uh, this more abstract goal oriented and driven towards a future something. Um, so you tend to not score yourself as well in those categories. Hmm. I will definitely look that up and uh, and take it and see where I fall. But, um, you know, it, it, it's interesting because I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, maybe people are really focused on their goal, but then they decide they want a new goal. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's okay. It still means they're gritty, but I don't know. I'll have to go check it out. Um, so this score has been evaluated and validated with people using it as a, you know, in a self-assessment score where they're saying, I feel like this about myself. But also, with these informant reporters, I think is is the phrase you use, someone else who knows you taking it to evaluate you. So mm -hmm. with each of these things, one could imagine these inherent limitations with each form. Can you talk about those those limitations real quick? Yeah. When we're looking at what do we do with these personal kind of qualities, characteristics, um, the ones that are not like a, hey, take this multiple choice test and let's see how smart you are. 
Mm. I think the three most common ways we typically look at those are going to be our self-report questionnaires, some type of informant report or like an observer looking on or interacting with somebody, and then having the actual person complete some kind of task and doing feedback and observation about that. Each of those are going to have some positives and negatives. So when you look at like the self-report or the informant report versions, Mm -hmm. you're going to have people that don't understand necessarily the frame of the question. There's going to be some bias that comes into play where there's like the desirability bias where people edit their responses because they think, oh, this is what either I want to say about myself or this is what this person that's going to be looking at my results is going to want to know, you know, this is the answer they want. That frame of reference bias, I think, comes into play, especially with the informant report scores, because you're, mm-hmm. we have to use something as kind of the frame for how we grade somebody on one of these. And our, our obviously most easy frame of reference is going to be ourselves. And then if we're using ourselves, how does that actually uh, correspond to what the other person is doing? Right. So let's let's talk about your study now. How did you s- actually set up the study, and what was the exact question you were hoping to answer? Yeah, I'm involved with the educational research group um, called the Emergency uh, Medicine Education Research Alliance, and it mm-hmm. actually was a it's kind of a spinoff from um, a bunch of former residents of the Northwestern program um, that were all at different academic centers, and so uh, we figured we might as well pool the resources and try to be able to create bigger educational studies. Mm, Nice. So a study um, that was in the planning phases that was like this bigger wellness and burnout study um, was getting planned. And randomly, I heard Angela Duckworth talking on NPR about grit. Mm. And I was thinking to myself, wait a second, like this sounds Ah. like exactly like something we want to look at with uh, wellness and burnout and kind of ideas on how gritty physicians or residents are going to be. So it ended up being part of this larger wellness and burnout study. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we wanted to find out, not only look at the self-reported and faculty assess grit scores and see if we could Mm -hmm. find a correlation uh, between those two, but then also finding out how grit related to a whole bunch of other factors with things like wellness, burnout, depression, in-service training scores, looking at a whole bunch of different characteristics the first one we looked at was the faculty uh, informant report one. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, so your exact research question was what? So the exact research question for this particular study was, is that informant report score from faculty, does it correlate with the resident's self-assessed grit uh, S score? And we wanted to know that specific question because it ties into how do we actually assess some of these non-cognitive traits? If you just rely on one form of assessing those. So if all we did was rely on the self-report form, there's biases that play into that. But if you can rely on sort of a multimodal way of assessing some of those non-cognitive traits, so a self-report and something like an informant report, mm-hmm. it's going to add to your overall understanding of that person you're assessing or how that resident's doing. Try to help minimize how some of those biases could uh, influence uh, Mm-hmm. the overall assessment of a resident. So you found that the resident's self-score and the faculty's score did not correlate 
And uh, in fact, the faculty consistently rated the residents as, as grittier. But you did actually find correlation between faculty, different faculty reports of the same resident. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah, across all the sites, faculty were not very good at assessing the resident's grit. And, uh, they definitely overestimated the resident's grit score. But the residents that actually had the two faculty assess them had a moderate correlation mm-hmm. uh, between their two scores. I think that points to the score itself reliably looking at the kind of same question. So the faculty seemed to understand what they were getting at. They just Mm -hmm. tended to overestimate what the actual assessment was compared to their residents. Or maybe the residents are just grittier than they give themselves credit for. That's true. That's that's part of the question we don't know. Is (laughs) Is it the residents maybe not giving themselves enough kind of gritty credit or is it the faculty overestimating. We don't actually have an answer to where that balances out. Right, right. So there were a few limitations in this study. And uh, which ones, what would you like to, to highlight in terms of what we can take away from this study? Um, I think some of the limitations would be, uh, we talked about some of the uh, self-report and informant report limitations already. There's yeah. going to be biases built into them. Um, I think when you use more than one way of assessing some non-cognitive traits, it'll mm-hmm. help decrease some of that bias, but it'll also give you a more well-rounded picture of what you're looking at. Right. I think uh, one big question in all kind of residency assessments is how well do we actually know our residents? What seems to come out is that we're probably not as good as we'd like to be at assessing residents. And I don't think we necessarily get a lot of training in how to be better assessors, especially when we look at things like these non-cognitive traits. Mm-hmm. None of us generally get training on that in med school or residency, or even after when you're faculty, there's not a lot of training or understanding of all these extra traits and how does that make for a more competent resident. I think that is the a big limitation to look at is how do we move forward in understanding these different aspects of what makes an actual successful resident and physician. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Olson. We're really looking forward to seeing what comes next. And now we're going to talk for a few minutes with Dr. Anahita Kalantari, who wrote the commentary that accompanied this article in January's Education and Training Journal. Thank you so much for joining me. In the study that we're highlighting today in the podcast, that short grit scale was used to see if there was any correlation between resident and faculty assessment of resident grit. And you, as one of the leading voices on resident wellness, were invited to write a commentary on this paper. And so I'd love it if you could just summarize your thoughts on this study for us and what it means in sort of the broader context of wellness. Absolutely. First of all, thank you for having me. I'm First, I was floored to get invited to give the commentary, and now I'm double floored to be invited to do a podcast on it. So thank you for that. That's <laughs> pretty cool. So my overall thoughts on this entire study were, first of all, mm-hmm. I thought it was a clever question to look into because we know that there is an issue with wellness in residency programs. We know that there is a connection between grit and burnout. Other studies have demonstrated that within surgical residencies. So it would be great if you, as an external faculty member, would be able to recognize signs and symptoms of burnout in your learners. So I love that they tried to do that. I'm not surprised with some of the results, however, 
it's not unusual for somebody to have a different internal evaluation of themselves versus what somebody else sees on the outside. That's also been demonstrated in prior studies. So this is pretty consistent with some of that data. Mm. My whole take on it was as much as I think it's valuable to find a tool to figure out if we can identify burnout in a resident early on, I'm more concerned with why they're burning out in the first place. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. evidence out there to state, you know, these medical students coming into training are actually more resilient compared to the general population. And based on a lot of the prevalence studies that have been done on burnout in medical students and residents, we know that something happens to them during this process. And whether that is, you know, a societal cultural thing in terms of not being able to speak up about mental health whether that's the competitive environment known that exists in medical training, whether that is the learning environment that they're in, there's something that we're doing that is driving this in the education process. And I think that's where we should put our attentions and focus to try and study and figure out what is it that's happening so that we can just stop frying them in the first place. That's so true. And one of the things that really surprised me about this study was not the difference between the self-perception and the external perception, was that the residents just consistently scored themselves lower on the grit scale than the faculty scored them. And I actually had thought that it would be the opposite, that it might be like this, like a Dunning-Kruger kind of thing where they're like overestimating how gritty they are, but that wasn't the case. What do you think that says about resident feelings of their well-being overall? Like, you know, can we make that leap yet that their self-evaluation of how gritty they are actually correlates to how well they are coping or think they're coping with the demands of residency? And is that like a warning sign, do you think? Well, if you look at the actual grit scale questions, I mean, they're pretty personal. They have to do with how well someone can stay focused, how they deal with setbacks, Mm. how much they're changing their mind. These aren't things that faculty are going to be able to assess. I mean, faculty can look at someone and say, oh, look, they're a hard worker. I mean, we can do that. We can look at our residents and say this one, you know, works their tail off all the time, you know, versus this one that might try some shortcuts. Mm-hmm. You know, we could probably do a good job of determining somebody's level of focus on research projects or academic studies that we're doing with them. And But we can't really say if somebody's interests change, we can't really talk about, you know, setbacks that they've had throughout their lives. So I don't know if it's so much that the residents are scoring themselves low as much as it is the faculty are scoring the residents too high because they don't know kind of some of these more intimate details that you have to know in order to answer these questions. It's probably a reflection of the faculty just not being aware of where the residents are in terms of their wellness or their grit or resilience. Because, you know, it's a, it's a three, six, it's almost like a 360 evaluation. You have to know a lot of details and aspects of somebody's life in order to determine some of these things. And you can't really do it without their input. You know, one question I really have is, do you really think it's useful for us to measure grit 
I guess, you know, from one perspective, one might say when you're screening your applicants, it might be nice if you could pick residents ahead of time that were gritty. But then within the environment of residency itself, like once they're in and going, what is the utility of, of measuring someone's grit? And is their grittiness really the issue when it comes to wellness or is it more the environment that we're putting them in? I, I really think it's probably a little bit more of the environment that we're putting them in. Because if you think about it, people who go to medical school, people who go to residency, individuals who pursue medicine, it takes years to get to the end point where, oh, look, now I am a physician that completed all my training, I'm board certified, and I can practice medicine. Exactly. If that in and of itself is not a marker of grit, I'm not really sure what else would be. It's almost like they self-select their grittiness mm -hmm. based on their career selection. Mm -hmm. You know, while you're in med school studying and all of your besties from college have a salary and they're going on vacations together, I mean, I, th I think you've demonstrated the grit right there. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's an environment thing. And and really, the more I think about it, and not to get all meta, but I think some of it has to do with psychological safety. I think some of it has to do with um, inclusion and diversity. I think some of it has to do with mentorship and support. Mm -hmm. This is the first job for a lot of these students, right? I mean, they didn't work. They probably studied their tails off in high school, then studied in college, then studied in medical school, and now, boom, they have a job. Mm -hmm. They didn't really have any phase warming up to this. They're, a lot of them were away from their families and some of their support systems, not all of them. Some of them have a hard time with the amount of change. I mean, there's a lot of change, especially if you're moving to a new geographic location where there's really nobody there. You don't know anyone. And this is really uncomfortable. And, if and not only is this a job, this is a job like really no other. Correct. When they're sort of thrown into the, the schedule and the emotional load and the cognitive loads and the demands and the, you know, this is not like, I, mean, I don't mean to offend anybody by you know, naming a job that I don't think is as difficult as being a resident, but being a resident's got to be really up there. I, I have no doubt that being a resident was probably one of the most difficult and challenging phases of my life um, because I was one of those individuals who moved away from everyone and everything I knew, and it, it was quite an adjustment period. And not only that, but now you have shift work where you're up at all hours of the night. You're not sleeping. You're not really eating. So I, I think there's a, a ton, a ton of environmental variables that are contributing to kind of what goes down with residency and really going above and beyond to make sure that all of them are kind of supported and and feel it. It's one thing to say like, hey, we're here for you, but it's another thing to demonstrate that we're here for you. And and there's a lot of, in my opinion, baloney about kind of millennials and calling mm -hmm. them soft and all this other whatever. Um, if you go back and you look historically, the previous generation has always had negative things to say about generations that come after them. This is just about being human and supporting other human beings and recognizing that, you know, these residents, they're not robots. It's a, it's a pretty tough environment that they're in. And 
it's not coddling them and holding their hand and babying them. It's literally providing them with the support that they no longer have because they are now in residency. Right. So before we go, um, what are your thoughts on how we might further examine this concept of grit in the larger scope of wellness? What does it mean? I'm not really entirely sure what it means, to be honest with you. I think if you look at it, it's kind of like a line, right? On one end of the line, you have grit. Mm -hmm. At all the way at the other end of the line, you have the larger wellness. But in between grit and wellness, I think there's a lot of other factors that come into play and contribute to the overall state of wellness. and. Mm -hmm. I don't know that there's a direct link between grit and the larger scope of wellness, especially when you're talking about a population who has already self-selected for grit. Right. So I, I, I can't really say, you know, definitely we, we can look more and see if there are any other connections, but I think there's a lot of other variables and factors that contribute to that. It's not just grit by itself. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Kalantiri. It was great talking with you and looking forward to hearing more from you in the future. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this AEM education and training podcast. Be sure to hit the full text of both of these articles available on our blog at brownemblog.com. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Search for AEM Early Access, all one word. Today's music is by Scott Holmes. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa. We'll see you next time.